0: Helping Hand podcast. My name is Pauline Shannon. I'm a mother of three and a reflex integration therapist. Each week I will be meeting someone who helps children and families. I will be asking them what they do and how they do it. We will learn how different therapies can help, how to choose which is right for you and how to find them when you need them. Today I'm talking to Nadia Edwards who is a sleep consultant. Good morning, Nadia. Thank you very much for joining me on the Helping Hand podcast. I've had a look at your website. It looks really interesting. Can you tell us, what do you offer?
1: Well, morning to you, Pauline. So, do you know, I get asked this question all the time. What do you offer? And it's quite hard um, to, to, to answer that because really it's quite unique to each family who come to me. Yes, I do have a, a structure um, and a standard you know kind of pattern that I work through with parents um but it's very unique to each family so I'm a sleep coach I'm based in Scotland I've been doing this for about five years now and I'm also an early years practitioner and so what I do is I help parents I coach parents to help their little ones sleep better okay and I got into this business because of my own personal experience as as most of us do in the helping um, profession. And he was just, you know, he was just a terrible sleeper. There was lots going on. He was my second child. But what I didn't know at the time was that there was underlying stuff going on that was, that was you know, the cause of that. It took quite a long time for that to get sorted out. And then by the time that I did get sorted out, I was absolutely exhausted. And the family just wasn't functioning well at all. And I, and I got help. I got professional help and it was it was really life-changing and I just wanted to help parents the way I had been helped but do it in a more local way so I trained and I've been doing that ever since you know helping parents and and really what I do is first of all I like to have a chat with parents just to see can I help um, am, I, am I the right person to work with them does it need to be referred out to someone else and and I do that you know that's complimentary so we will have a quick chat and sometimes um it's great I can say listen all you need to do is this and this and that's going to help that's going to be the biggest improvement there so when I can do that I absolutely do and there'll be many parents who will say yep I had that 15 minute chat with Nadia and she told me to do x y and z and I done that and that that was enough for us and then on other occasions it's appropriate that I work with the family on a full package and usually we do need to have um, a good chunk of time to work together because the the reason that sleep is difficult for families is not just one thing it's usually you know a combination of lots of different things going on for that family and we need to untangle some of that what's normal infant behavior what's um other complications that's going on because there's lack of support living far away from extended family other work commitments and parents are having to co-parent and perhaps work away. All these kind of things have to be explored. So it does take a good chunk of time for us to work together. Um, So usually my my standard kind of package, so to speak, would look a little bit like this. We'd have that 15 minute chat and if a family wanted to work with me, they would book some time in my diary and we would have a, a, a personal consultation where we would just talk through everything at length. Sometimes that consultation takes a more therapeutic approach where I'm doing quite a lot of listening and just finding out what's going on. Um, And sometimes it takes a much more um, consultation approach where where there's advice given, there's suggestions given. But mainly it's a bit bit in the middle. We're, We're looking at what's the pros and cons of doing it one way in comparison to another way what's going to be most helpful what's the first step that we can take Um, and I always think about you know a boiling pot parents come to me the pot is on full boil the lid's boiling off the water's coming over the side we just want to be able to very quickly turn the gas down so that we go from a boil to a simmer once we get to that stage then we can get into the nitty-gritty stuff and the nitty-gritty stuff usually comes with the follow-up support um, that happens after that what age of children do you work with? So typically I'm working with children who are six months and up, um, all the way up till about ages eight, ten. Um, I usually don't work with families with, with newborn babies anymore. And that's not because the methods that I use are not appropriate for newborn babies. But it is because what I've found through my experience is that um Mums and dads get very anxious in the first kind of, you know, six months about routines and schedules and doing things wrong um, and failing and, you know, making a rod for your own back and all these kind of things. And it's just not true. Right. It's just not true. These things, you know, use your instincts, cuddle your baby to sleep, feed your baby to sleep, enjoy the time get out and about in the baby carrier, don't worry about all these routines. Um, And I I really felt like um, parents were being robbed of that lovely time you get when they're young, when they're just little, um, because they were worrying about these routines and what was going to happen in the future. And the truth being told, Um, I was just working with a family recently who had worked with me with their little one a long time ago and they've come back with their second baby and she'd contacted me to say you know I'm really worried he's not going down in, in the basin independently and I'm really stressed out and we had this lovely chat and I was like look you know get out in the baby carrier get out and about get daylight you know like let's not worry about this and um she did and she's come back now um little one six or seven months and she said wow nadia do you know um i just i just totally relaxed and as soon as i relaxed about everything i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed being a parent and i feel like the sleep improved and if i had been doing all the other stuff you know the routines and the schedules and all that kind of stuff i would have thought that that's because that was the reason that the sleep improved but it wasn't it would have improved anyway (laughs) just because it would have done so i don't typically work with little ones at that age and I usually if there is a parent who needs help and support at that age i would absolutely recommend that they hire a maternity nurse and there's lots of wonderful maternity nurses out there to support them i would recommend that they think about getting a night nanny to come in and take some pressure off if they're finding the night times you know exhausting someone else to take over so i would recommend that they invest um, some of their money that way rather than um with a sleep consultant if that makes sense and so all the way up older children but the age range that most commonly comes to me I do get quite a lot of kind of eight nine month ten month old wee ones I get a raft of them but mostly it's toddlers and preschoolers um, and I'm working with Um, so usually older older children
0: okay Do the children come to you or do you see, sorry, first of all, do you work with the parents or do you work with the parents and the children?
1: So I work mostly directly with the parents. So it's mostly about um, coaching the parents about how to structure the day slightly different, about the bedtime routines, about the science of sleep, why the wee one might be waking up. So it's mostly with the parents, but as children get older, so, um, you know, primary school age, then I would do a bit of a combination between working with the parents and with the children, because actually, um, that's something that can lack quite a lot in most parenting programmes, is that it's either one or the other, we either work with the parents or we work with the children, but actually it would make sense that we do a little bit of both, and all that means is, it's not, it's not anything intense, but it's perhaps having some follow-up calls with the child and say you know how did last night go or I have a sleep diary that's um, child focused and um, so i ask them and um, you know depending on age to fill that out um, and then come back to me and feedback so what did you do that day what kind of things were you drinking and eating what was your bedtime routine like Um i might ask them to declutter their bedroom and set things up slightly differently if we've got an, an older child One of the things with older children that can be quite detrimental to sleep is that they use their room for lots of different things. They use it for homework, they use it for sleep, um, they use it for socialising. And so sometimes it's about zoning the room out as best we can, you know, Um, making the bed more like a sofa when it's social, but then when it's bedtime, making it into a proper bed. Um, it might be setting up a desk corner that's got the, the homework stuff on it that's just you know not sitting on your bed doing your homework. So things like that can make a big difference um, to sleep for older children. And
0: do they come to you? Do you go to
1: them? Do you do it online? So it's all done online. um has been since the pandemic. <laughs> um, but before the pandemic, I was 50-50. I would do 50% of my work online and 50 percent in home um, and so at the moment it's all online it works really well um, parents usually come to me so i will um my website's there i'll try and do some stuff on social media although um we were just talking about that earlier weren't we about um, trying to be um the jack of all trades master of none and you know i'm good at working with parents i, I don't want to be spending all my time um being a, a social media expert in fact I wouldn't have time do you know if I had a great following and completely whiz-bangy stuff going on on social media I just wouldn't have time to work with the families I work with so but that's how I get out there word of mouth um, so once you've been doing it a while people do tend um, to, to pass on your information and so people come to me from friends and family and um, there's other social media channels where people will ask, you know, does anybody know somebody who can help with this issue? And often people will then say, oh, you can go and get Nadia and things like that. So it's word of mouth. It's, it's not the best. I would rather be able to work with an organisation and not have to be self-employed, if I'm being honest. But um, what I do just doesn't seem to exist um, in organisations. It's becoming more and more um, incorporated, but... Um, it still doesn't exist to the level, the intense support that I give on a one-to-one basis. So that's why I continue to do it.
0: Nadia, you said you work with people for a chunk of time. That's not very precise. Can <laughs> you give me an idea? So imagine I'm a parent out there with a child who's not sleeping. I want to know if I'm going to come to you once or 26 times. Can you give me a bit more guidance? So, so, so it's definitely we work over a four-week period. Um,
1: that's the minimum, okay? Now that doesn't mean that everything's resolved in a four-week period. But what I have found is that that period of time where we have a um, a consultation of about 90 minutes up front and then we'll have four weeks um, worth of time where we fill in, you know, interactive sleep logs. We will have around about five one-to-one follow-up coaching calls and obviously email in between that. I find that that that's enough to get parents to the point where they're feeling calmer, more relaxed, they're seeing improvements and, um. You know, if there's work that still needs to be done after that, that they know what they're doing, that they can they can start to make those steps on their own or at least make them on their own for a good few weeks, a good month, and then perhaps top up with some support thereafter. So the length of time it takes um, for families to get to their goal really does depend on each family. And because the steps that they need to take might all be different and how quickly they can take them might also be different because really, if you think about it like climbing a mountain, you you don't go in and climb the mountain all in one go. You plan your route, you, you plan to have rest breaks you plan to have um you know food and really you have many goals along the way to get to certain points don't you and it's exactly the same with the work that I'm doing and it really depends on each family how quickly they get to the top of the mountain so around about four weeks um sometimes about six weeks um you know families are topping up some extra support and then sometimes and um, they'll top that up um a month or so later on um after they've kind of went alone for a wee while, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely makes sense. I'm wondering, um, I imagine you're going to tell me any child with sleep difficulties, but what what should make me think to bring my child to you? What would I be seeing in my child or struggling with that would make me think, really, this is the point to make contact with Nadia?
1: That's just a brilliant question, Pauline, because what what is... Um, what's normal right you know and there's been a lot of research done and um, to, to talk to us about what we should expect and some of this stuff is about society um, and and quite often parents you know they think oh my baby's not sleeping well and it's damaging their cognitive ability and sometimes there'll be blogs that cite this and you know it's a bit nasty there's absolutely no research to suggest that in very young babies that um Fragmented, fragmented sleep is going to damage their cognitive ability at all and um, however parents worry about this babies are designed to have fragmented sleep right so they're all right <laughs> they're usually all right but we as parents um, sometimes are not so it's also family dependent um, I need a lot of sleep um, when my son wasn't sleeping that well, um, other parents might have been able to cope with that better, right? Because they maybe didn't don't need as much sleep, and so they can cope with it. Or one partner um, can cope with not having as much sleep, so it's not as big a deal. Um, so that's also something to consider. But in terms of what we might, what I might be looking for when I'm having that, you know, brief fifteen minute chat, I'm looking at how long is it taking the little one to fall asleep at bedtime? If it's taken on on average. Uh, and you know maybe five nights out of seven taking longer than half an hour to fall asleep uh, that's a bit of a tick for me to do some work on on their on their sleep on their bedtime routine how they're falling asleep you know ideally i'm looking for a wee one to fall asleep within about 10 or 15 minutes from when they go down right um, the research suggests anywhere between five and 30 minutes is what we might class as as normal and this is for six months up so younger than that let's not get excited um, so I'm looking at that, I'm looking at how long they're taking to fall asleep. Then I'm figuring out, okay, what's going on in the night time? How many times are they waking up in the night time? Um, and so I'll ask that, so I'll probably say on average, um, how many times do you think they're waking up in the night time? And it's a really hard question. Parents will say, Oh, it varies, you know, some nights it's some nights it's two times, some nights it's five times, some nights it's ten times, and sometimes they'll say they're up every hour, Like Are we one who's up every hour? We want to be doing something about that, right? Um and then I'll say, okay, so we know if they're we know if it's very frequent, we know if they're waking up um, very frequently in the night, we need to do something, and then I'll check on and on those wakenings, how quickly does your little one get back to sleep? So if they're falling back, if they're waking up, they're having a quick feed and then they're going back to sleep fairly quickly. Mm, is that a big deal? You know, so we're thinking about that. But if it's taken, sometimes parents will say, It's taken an hour you know, they'll wake up, they're awake for an hour, they're awake for two hours. i have seen how many nights a week does that happen out of, you know, out of the seven? And if they say, you know, five nights a week it's happening, you know, then we've got an issue. So I will have parents who come to me who will, who will tell me their babies are up ten times a night and on one or two of those occasions it's an hour or an hour plus each time. That's that's a lot, right? Um, for a parent to have to cope with, um, and then they're up early in the morning. So then I'll think about, so what time are they waking up? What time do you have to start your day? And then, we'll, and then I'll have a chat about what's going on during the day and figure it out. So those are the kind of questions I'm I'm looking for to figure out what's going on. But it is important to say that um, let me just get the actual to meet this morning. Because I think this is important to reassure parents. I know it's hard. I I do. I really know it's hard. But um, you're looking at um, a recent study of over 50,000 infants found that night wakening was still very prevalent amongst 6 to 18-month-old babies, with nearly 70% of all children waking at least once in the night, Um, and nearly 20% of babies waking more than three times in the night. And that was was 2014. And so if 70% of a population have a particular behaviour, it's very unlikely to indicate any pathology, right. Um, And so whilst whilst this can be hard for parents, it is normal that our babies wake up in the night, you know, they're looking for connection, they've got little tummies, they're looking for a feed. and it's okay, it's nothing that the parents are doing. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean you're a, a, a bad or a good parent based on how well or not your child sleeps. And um, some of that is just normal infant behaviour. And some of it might be your baby's personality, you know, their, their inherent um, temperament, right? And um, My son's temperament, wow, you know, <laughs> in comparison to my daughter's, they're absolutely chalk and cheese. And, you know, she was sleeping 12 hours at 12 weeks at nighttime. I thought that was normal, so when my son came along and was totally opposite, I really did think that I had done something wrong as a parent, um, and and I hadn't, you know, some of that was just normal baby behaviour. I'm sure you're
0: not the only one that feels that. I think it's really important to repeat what you're saying, is that unrealistic expectations are leading people to feel that they're doing something wrong, which adds to the stress they've got and makes things more likely to, to go wrong, so really pleased to hear you say that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, and I just wish society was set up more to help, um, you know, mums, dads, families, um, you know, the things that would have helped me back then. I, I just didn't know that you could hire maternity nurses. I didn't know they were in my price range, right? I thought they were for the rich and famous, Um, you know. I, I was still ironing, you know, my daughter's baby grows. I mean, who thought why didn't anyone say to me Nadia you don't have to do that um and but I was coping okay on the surface and it looked like I had a good support network and you know certainly I wouldn't have been on anyone's radar to to do any kind of intervention but slowly postnatal depression crept in you know and um and then once it crept in with me it wasn't too long before my husband was unwell uh, as well and so for a while for a long time we were a pretty sad family who were, uh, you know, it felt like I was drowning constantly. Um, so I'm really proud that I've got to the point now where, you know, we're definitely not in that place, but also that I can recognise when some of those feelings come back and I can think about what can I do that helps my family. Um, and that would be my tip to, to parents, you know, if you've, if you've got some spare cash, and um, you know use it to do things like get the online shop in um, you know have a cleaner come in if you can afford that and um, get get one of your friends if they want to buy something for your birthday or your Christmas or anything to you know perhaps do a nice meal for you at home or come and clean the house for you or put it towards one of these things um rather than it being well I don't know when the last time I done my hair was but you, you know what I mean um it's okay to spend some money on maternity nurses or night nannies and, and people to come in to to give you that support. I really wish um, that I had known about it then and maybe maybe because sometimes I do recommend this with families and they tell me they can't think of anything worse right you know they don't want and um, the, the, the 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 loss of control does not do them any favours and um, But again, if I'd had some talking therapy at the time, maybe I would have been able to explore the reasons why I felt uncomfortable with someone else cleaning my house, you know, or why I felt uncomfortable with the house being dirty. What's the big deal? (laughs) Gosh, now I don't know the last time I cleaned, you know, (laughs) for every six months. (laughs)
0: Nadia, if somebody is listening and they're recognising either their experience in yours or their child's behaviour patterns and some of the sleep patterns you've mentioned, how do they get in touch with you? So the
1: best way to get in touch with me is through my website, because it's always up to date. Um, If you want to ask any questions, the best thing to do is book a discovery call. They literally are calls to have a chat. So, you know, they're about finding out about me, if I can help finding out about your situation, all that kind of stuff. Um, And that's the best way. Yep, you can email all that kind of stuff, but I am really slow with my emails (laughs) Um, and very rarely on social media. So get me at
0: nadiaedwards.co.uk. Brilliant, Nadia. Thank you so much for your time and I hope that will give some reassurance and another option to some parents who are out there. Perfect. You've been listening to the Helping Hand podcast, connecting families with help and support when they need it. If you want more information or to find a therapist near you, go to helpinghandonline.co.uk.